Welcome to the Valley News Live Sports Overtime Podcast. Jack, we got another week of action, both at the high school and college level in the books. Even some professional action yeah. on, the, on the diamond for the FM Redhawks and the gridiron at the National Football League. We've been all over the place these last couple of weeks. We've got a lot of stuff going on, which <laughs> is really... I, October, I always describe as the busiest sports month outside of maybe maybe March, late February time. But, <laughs> but October is kind of the culmination of everything you got. And then the start like, of winter sports. Yes, Major yeah, League Baseball yeah. and World Series is, is coming up, the best part of baseball season. Then you have <laughs> yes. middle of college football, NFL. You have hockey starting to creep around in the yep. next really few weeks. We're really not yep. that far away from hockey starting, both at the professional and college level, and even high school. Like, we're so we're there. already busy. Yes. And we're just building up to and more. And it's going to get more. But at least baseball, baseball finished too. We'll get to that obviously a lot yeah. later. But yeah. um, but football really, really full swing now. Yeah, no, we're. I, I feel like we're now kind of officially in football season. We had our first weekend with every team playing at yes. home, so that's when it really starts to feel real. But we'll start in the Fargo Dome. Uh, the Bison opening up their home, that have hosting their home opener. I almost said opening up their season, but that's not true. This is their second game of the year. Yes. Uh, they, uh, playing in the Fargo Dome for the first time, though, they defeated Maine 44-7 to in the game that I'm sure a lot of people thought was going to be less close, I'll put it that way, at half. Uh, it was 16-0 at halftime. The Bison were held to four field goals, and they were stopped on uh, fourth and goal at one point. So it was an interesting start to the game, but they're going up against the same main defense that held uh, FIU to 13 total rushing yards. So, I mean, it, it Maine had a very strong defense. I think NDSU just kind of woke up to that in the second half there. But no, it was a, it wasn't as much of a textbook Bison game as uh, we would have thought. But I mean, when you look at the stats, it was though. Uh, Cam Miller, efficient as always, 14 of 19 for 152 yards there. Uh, also 15 carries for 68 yards. The second leading rusher on the team behind another quarterback. Cole Payton ran the ball eight times for 105 yards and two touchdowns. It's his second week in a row leading the team in rushing. I don't think I've ever seen a backup quarterback lead a team in rushing for, well, now it's the entirety of a season, two games. Um, I've never seen that before. So they've definitely found a groove with uh, Cole Payton back there. Well, and a big thing to point out with this too is, and I know this isn't something we usually talk about a lot because it sort of gets overlooked and a lot of the time for fair reasoning, but the special teams unit yeah. and and actually not just about the kicker because Griffin Crosa making the first nine points of the game yeah. starting off the only points until 52 seconds left in right. the first half. But the biggest thing to look at is look at the drive lengths mm -hmm. of this game. Five yards, one yard, 40 yards, um, 48, 75, so there's one normal 75-yard drive. Yep. 30, 59, and 59 again. Incredible. And these are position. all scoring. Yep. So it's saying yep. the field position was pretty much exactly what you want every time, and even when it was further away, quote-unquote, you're still past the 30-yard line. You at least have some kind of something that's right. a little more, and it's those kind of boosts that are going to be big for this team down the stretch of if you can get good returns and if you can get – you know, a little fortunate with maybe kickoff penalties or you have things going your way, which that's not as well in your control. But when you can get that out of your control and also in your control of good returns, solid field goal kicking to get those points in the board. I mean, I know we had from media day, the players told us straight up, multiple players, I yeah, mean, from the, the linemen to the running backs, anyone, 
that they consider it a failure if they don't get the touchdown when they're close to right. it. Which early in the game, I mean, you were there and saw it. Yeah. There were some drives that I'm certain if you asked them after it, would consider them failures. Well, and there were a lot of points left on the board. Like I mentioned, the fourth and one that um, they got stuffed right on the line of scrimmage there. Mm-hmm. That got left off the board. There was a long pass to, I believe it was Braylon Henderson. I apologize if I'm burying Braylon on accident here, but just in and out of the hands when he was I, all by yes, himself. I archived so, the clips. Yeah, that it was yeah. him. So, yeah, I, I mean, the, there's there's a lot of uh, missed opportunities there in the first half, but obviously, gosh, they they woke up in the second. Anything that was left off the board in the first half, they made up for it there. Uh, the Bison defense had a, a, a predictably good game for that unit. They've really outshone the back half of that defense was under the microscope going into the regular season, the linebackers and the safeties, and man, have they performed. Uh, they held Maine to 223 total yards. Cole Wisniewski got two interceptions on the day. Again, this is only his second game ever playing the safety position. He now has three interceptions in two games as a safety. So uh, a, a remarkable performance there as well. And Yeah, no, the Bison starting the year 2-0, and you really can't ask for – a better way to start the year. And the big things that the defense has to take care of, that was something that really, really killed them in games like SDSU and, and, and even in Arizona. And and I understand, that, and not to be disrespectful of Maine, but obviously Arizona and South Dakota State right, are right. not on the same level. But, but the way that these games have worked is to limit the big plays, limit mm-hmm. the big bombs. And in this game, the longest catch that Maine had was 23 yards, and that was only one reception. And the guy who caught right. that had two more catches for five total yards outside of that one play. And if you even look at the rushing stats, their leading rusher averaged under four yards a carry. And that so, was after his after their leading rusher had over 100 yards against an FBS team a week ago. So. Yeah, and the quarterback got more, which makes sense. But even if you take in every single rusher combined, it was only 4.2 yards per carry, which for right. the defense is exactly what you want to see. You're going to win a lot of games when you hold the guys underneath that. And then, of course, in the passing attempt, it was 18 for 29, which isn't bad, but that's only, that's 117 yards on 18 completions. Right. It's pretty low numbers. And then, of course, the biggest kicker of the whole thing, zero touchdowns, three interceptions. But the one point of this that I did want to see that I, I was, I don't want to say worried about, but just more noticed in the Eastern Washington game that kind of continued into this game is while there is a good amount of pressures, there's not a lot of quarterback hits and sacks. There's right. only one sack in this game. And again, I'm. it is nitpicking to a degree because for a defense that is playing this well, it's sort of what's the next thing that you need to get better. Right. And the next thing that sort of hasn't been hit as much there is the sack percentage, big tackles for loss, those plays. Well, and it's it's not like they're not getting pressure on the quarterbacks. It's, it's just maybe not getting there on time, but they are getting rid of the ball quickly against North Dakota State. And I think yeah. that's kind of... That might, that I think that was probably strategic going in, thinking that that back half of the defense would be suffering after they had to replace so many guys. But like I said, that just hasn't seemed to be the case. And then going back to piggyback off your special teams comment, kind of as it relates to the defense, the way that they forced Maine, the first few Maine drives, they're back for right against their own end zone. Mm-hmm. And so, yep. a, again, special teams coming through on the defensive side of the ball as well. It's a lot easier to get an emotional and uh, a motivational edge over a team when they're a few yards away from their own end zone. And if you get sacked or tackled for a loss once, this drive is mostly already lost. <laughs> and so it's a, it's a good edge there for North Dakota State. And uh, one more thing I wanted to mention, uh, just because I haven't touched the offense yet, uh, one thing I wanted to say is that uh, we know 
NDSU's rushing has been so big, yeah. and that we know Cole Payton had himself a great day. But how about nine different players getting a rush? It, wow, that, nine that players. Ents has told us a thousand times at press conferences how ideal that is for them. And you know, whether whatever the offensive turnout is, when you're able to get that many guys the ball, and that's exactly what these non-conference games at the beginning of the year are for: getting reps for these guys who may not see it during. Uh, uh, the conference games later in the year, and then all of a sudden they might be thrust into a situation. So, which is to point on that too. One point that I don't, I don't know if I want to say is, and again, I wasn't there. I'm just looking at the stats of it, so I'm not sure the actual which you could have more insight yeah, on. Yeah. But it is a little strange seeing Tamaric Williams fifth place on that list with five carries for 17 yards. Was it more him getting stuff, well, or was it more him just not it, getting the ball there as were, much? It, it, there were a lot of read option type plays that when uh, when Tamaric was in, where Cam was pulling the ball, which is where he got a lot of his carries from. But also, there were some interesting times when Tamaric was out of the game. Um, Barico like, Penu, TK Marshall, right? And amount of like, tears? well, like I mentioned, that fourth and goal, the handoff was to TK Marshall, which mm. zero offense to TK Marshall at all. Uh, I'm handing the ball off to Tamaric Williams on that, that is a thousand surprising. percent of the time. That He's one surprising. of the bigger uh, runners on the roster. And I heard fans behind me talking about that as well. They were asking where Tamaric was. So um, we're probably going to hear a little bit more about player health from uh, Coach Ensign's press conference, which we'll play for you um, in a little bit. Uh, that's actually coming up right after we're done talking about this last game. But uh, So we'll, we'll hear from Coach Ens about player health, I assume, in the weekly press conference. But yeah, um, from... Uh, what I understand, it was just kind of what the personnel odds and what the uh, what the personnel was and what the play calling was when Tamaric was out there or wasn't out there. So, uh, but again, that's uh, that's kind of the gist of what happened against Maine. We're obviously going to send it to someone who's a little bit more of an expert on what happened in the game against Maine. We will go to head coach Matt Entz with his weekly press conference now. Uh, was was pleased with a, a number of things Saturday. Uh, with our team, uh, always things that we can continue to improve on. I'll probably touch base on those here briefly. But you know, some of the positives just coming off the the main game was nine different skill players catching footballs. Uh, I, I think again, that's two weeks in a row that we've we've almost hit that double digit number. I think it was Eastern Washington might have been seven or eight. Uh, again, spreading the ball around, 5.6 yards a carry, 35 minutes time of possession, um, seven of eight scores in the red zone, uh, plus four turnover margin. A couple of those uh, turned into scores. I think we scored 13 points off turnovers during the day. We gave up no sacks. Uh, again, uh, another good day by our offensive line. And then we had 10 explosive plays, and we gave up four. Uh, and I think the four that I think two of them were late in the game, probably in that last drive uh, that our defense was out there. Uh, and then yeah, I think the big one was the middle eight, the last four minutes of the second quarter and the first four minutes of the third quarter for us to kind of go into two-minute mode, go down and score right before half. And then we knew we were going to get the ball back. And then have a really nice drive to start the, the second half and go down and score again was, was positive to see. Um, like I said before, there's things we got to work on. Uh, red zone, I like to score more touchdowns in the red zone, and we, and we, we can't self-induce some, some problems. Uh, we had four penalties in the red zone. We had a penalty on third and one. All that impacted uh, not necessarily the outcome of the score, but, but what the score could have been. Uh, could have had a lot more momentum early in the game. Uh, you know, we started fast as a football team. We had a great um, turnover uh, by our defense early uh, down in, in the red zone already. And to walk away with three points uh, was positive, but also frustrating at the same time. You, you, you know, you guys have heard me say before, field goals don't get you beat. 
Um, so we need to be the opposite of that. We need to score touchdowns whenever we get an opportunity down that deep in the in the red zone. But uh, plenty to work on. Uh, you know, just penalties in general. Uh, having nine, way too many. Uh, we're a better football team than that. Uh, you know, we can sit here and argue if they were a penalty or not. That that they must have been on Saturday. So we need to address them. Uh, but the ones that are self-induced, uh, the two false starts. Um, we're, we're, we're critical ones, especially you know with them stemming their front a little bit. That's something that our defense has done all fall camp, and, and so and then you know the the, the snap on the ground, uh, just miscommunication with Westy and, and, and our quarterback at that time. Uh, just things were going to show up, and that's why we're excited to get back to practice. What do you guys have for questions today? That's offense. You know that obviously wasn't something you had an issue with uh, last season, but then you know just kind of going into addressing it after the main game. Kind of how do you, how do you plan on addressing the red zone issues on offense going into this week? Well, the the, the communication piece. That's just something that we need to. We're we're going to do some red zone stuff this week where there's going to be a little bit more have to be some forceful communication versus just assumed communication out there, um, and and that's things that we can address just on how we practice. Um, you know, and then uh, we will work a little extra red zone on Tuesday. Uh, today's only a spider's practice, but once we get full pads on tomorrow, uh, we'll have another red zone period just to, to emphasize the things that, you know, we weren't, we didn't feel like we were good enough at, you know, solid. I mean, when you score seven or eight times down there, that's good. But we, you know, and I, I'd love to add a couple more touchdowns to that mix. Uh, under a microscope going into the year, but how impressive have you been with the back half of your defensive unit, the linebackers and DBs two weeks into the season right now? They've done a nice job. Um, but as, as we all know, I think the, the competitive balance, people are getting better, just like hopefully we continue to get better as the season prolongs, and we need to, we need to improve still. Uh, probably some plays out there that we left, a couple missed tackles at different times. Um, would love to shore up just – and create more depth. Uh, we, we need to be able to play more people. Darius Givens is getting closer and closer. Hopefully, Keese Alexander uh, is back running full speed this week. We might be able to incorporate him into some things. Um, and so those are all positives. Um, but by being able to play a number of people in that second half, I mean, it still is great evaluation for, for our, our staff to see who are the next guys out there who can help provide depth too. So it looks like this might be the beefiest front you've had to face on either side. Is it how important is it to kind of go up against the line that side before you start, uh, on offense and defense before you start valley play? This is going to be a huge challenge for us. Uh, you know, you add their tempo, their look, look stuff offensively. Uh, like you said, well coached football program. Uh, play hard uh, on both sides of the football. Defensively, they might have the, the best defensive lineman on the field is going to be in, in white. Uh, they have a defensive end. Um, David Walker, who was a tremendous football player, had 13 sacks last year. Their other defensive end, I think, had eight. I mean, they had over 20 combined. And so uh, we're, we're going to have to be have a great week of practice. We, we can't have mental errors. We can't have silly penalties if we want to have success against this football team this week. Again, that was head coach Matt Enns talking about uh, the game last week against Maine and then what we have coming up this week, which is Central Arkansas, a team we're not really sure, I guess, what they are yet. Of course, uh, the, a fairly close loss to Oklahoma State, an FBS program, 13-27 uh, to 27 the final from week one there. Uh, and then last weekend in their home opener, they obliterated Texas College. They won 70-2. to two. Uh, that is so. one of the that is one of the box scores of all time. <laughs> and so uh, they're heading up here to North Dakota State now. We will see 
uh, what Central Arkansas brings to the table. We're gonna, uh, I'm gonna be sending out feelers trying to get some footage of them, so we'll see what we can get. Uh, Bison Volleyball, moving ahead to other sports now. Uh, the volleyball team's now six and two, swept Portland State and Toledo at home. We got our first uh, Benson Bunker Fieldhouse action this week, or this past week, so uh, yes. fun times there. Um, and then, you know, Portland State and Toledo played each other on Saturday. We, shock shockingly, didn't go to this one. But yeah, no, when you have uh, your first home weekend, you win six consecutive sets. Not bad. And that's coming after the Dayton Flyer Classic, where they had a really tight win over Butler, a 3-2 final. Um, that was after really going back and forth. They're actually down 2-1 to one and then won in both the, uh, the fourth set to force the tiebreaker and then winning the tiebreaker and then losing 1-3 to three against Dayton and Ohio. So to bounce back in a way like this, especially at home, is really meaningful because then you got to go all the way to West Virginia yeah, for yeah. their next series. That's coming up this Thursday against Robert Morris, uh, the host, West Virginia, and then uh, Old Dominion out of Virginia. So it's a good, good little set of some new teams. And then that's the last tournament before Summit League play starts. And in league play last year, that's really when they kind of yep. set themselves apart. And you know they're following up a, a, a year where they had – uh, their most success in about a decade, and we didn't know mm -hmm. what this team was going to look like. September twenty first. September twenty first mm -hmm. against Oral Oral Roberts. Roberts down in Tulsa. Uh, I don't like that they're not playing at home, but that's just me. That's just me. That's the twenty eighth against St. Thomas, so it's it's coming. <laughs> You're all over this. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. NDSU so, uh, soccer is now three three and two on the year. They beat Northern Colorado and lost to Creighton. So next game is going to be a draw. You're saying? That's. I mean, that's what it's looking like. They they like to stay perfectly balanced. Both of our Summit League soccer teams in our area did actually. Uh, are in that kind of same realm. I think UND soccer has the exact same record. So A good fight and against Creighton, though. I mean, that's up against a solid team, though Though it is unfortunate you're up 2-1 at halftime and then drop two goals to lose. Right. It is unfortunate at home. but That's a that's a good amount of goals, though, against a team like Creighton. Uh, so it is. Uh, a good fight there for North Dakota State soccer. All right, we're going to go ahead and head north on I-29, which is what you did on Saturday morning. I uh, did. Headed up to watch a, a classic Big Sky battle between the North Dakota Fighting Hawks and the Northern Arizona uh, Lumberjacks. UND with a 37-22 win there. Um, Jack, I obviously wasn't in the building. I just saw the box score. But the first thing that stuck out to me was the offense being absolutely on fire for the second consecutive week. They really looked much more put together than what this game was last year because last year we of course weren't there because it was all the way in northern Arizona right. but it ended that one up wasn't being in the travel budget no <laughs> but it was a 27-24 win it was this unbelievable wild game and this year I went into it sort of being like okay well maybe we'll get something like it again and we really didn't because UND took so much care of them and I thought that it was going to be tighter than it was because NAU went down the field in the second quarter early in it, got a field goal. It was 6-3 to three because um, after the Gavin Zyberth run to make it 6 nothing, uh, UND actually went for two on a trick play, missed it. And, and so then it was 6-3 to three game, and I was like, oh, okay. And then Quincy Vaughn dives in, and then Quincy Vaughn dives in again, and then right <laughs> – uh, or I the do second love, time. I do love that they still have Quincy Vaughn oh, running course. quarterback sneaks, uh, uh, even sorry, though the, it's a tight end. The second time was actually in the third quarter, but after the first time, they then were able to get a forced fumble and have a Hail Mary that was actually caught. Mm. It was in my highlight Saturday. If you haven't seen it, watch. Oh, it's it's an out. unbelievable play. I mean, it, insane deflection into the arms of Bo <laughs> Belquist down to the 10-yard line. Clock had expired, so it wasn't obviously resulting in anything. But even on a play like that, you were like, Okay, this team's kind of here to play. I mean, right, they were, yeah. and and we knew that it was going to be a good game, but it, I didn't think it was going to be a 15-point 
complete control of the team. And 15 is even not really fair because NAU scoring two touchdowns in the last three and a half minutes of the game to make it 15-point game. Right. It, was, it was 37 to 9 with four minutes to go in this game. I mean, it was complete 100% control. It's not shocking at all that UND is now in the top 15, I think, in, in yeah. every FCS poll. In both polls, yeah. Uh, they're they 14 now in the stats perform poll and 13 in the coaches poll. Tommy so. Schuster, 21 for 30, 259 yards and a touchdown, and 6 for 18 for one touchdown on the ground. Uh, yeah. Two yards of carry, not not particularly great, but, but he ended up getting you know sacked a couple times. Right. But – and then Trey Feeney getting the 39-yard pass. He was the one that actually threw that nice. uh, final play, which is kind of Former Moorhead cool. spud, Trey Feeney. Um, yeah. And speaking of – you mentioned Bo Belquist a little bit ago. What a day for him. Uh, uh, eight Ooh. catches, 123 yards. A uh, friend of the program, uh, Taylor Budge, one of my better friends in this business from Midco Sports, she had a great tweet in, the I think, the second quarter. All it said was, Bo Belquist is good at football. And I think that, that uh, <laughs> summarized it pretty well there. He did. Tackles for loss and sacks were also all over the place. Um Three sacks in this game for UND, a forced fumble. Wow. Uh, one, two, three, four, five pass breakups. One, two, three, four, five, six quarterback hits. Tackles for loss, um, I think three, four, five, six, seven tackle for wow. loss. So, so the UND defense was really, really getting in there. Uh, total tackles were Wyatt Padigo, who ended up getting two and a half sacks. Or, sorry, a sack, two and a half tackles for loss at eight total tackles, led the team in all of those stats. So, the UND defense really, really showed up to play. Again, yeah, right. I, as I said with those couple touchdowns late, I don't think the scoreline is very indicative. I think the defense right. played better than that. Yep. And, you know, you have your riding high. you got these two wins. And as I said last week, and what I still think now, this game was a really important one to win because oh, yeah, Drake was kind of a foregone conclusion. Right. You're going to win unless you really mess up, yep. which is what happened. Yep. And then you have to really take care of NAU because you have at Boise State that – even if you lose, it really doesn't mean that much for playoffs or conference at all. Right, or even your spot in the poll, really. Yes, but then it, if you yeah. win, it's a huge deal. So really, for UND, right. there's not really much of a negative to this. Nothing to lose, everything to gain. And then you go to South Dakota State, where you gave them one heck of a game in the Allaire Center last year and really played them down to the wire until the Jacks pulled away at the end. And at yes, Boise we know State, it's hard. At Boise State and at Brookings is such a tough stretch. It is hard, but we also <laughs> saw this last week that right. even in a win, South Dakota State is not – you know, impenetrable. Correct. They're a team that is possible to beat, even if it does take a lot of effort, and even if they don't end up getting beaten, they still prove that they weren't this invincible kind of team, even right. if they come out with a win. So there are things that be can be done against them. And um, the, uh, looking back just real fast before we move on at the UND offense, I'm just enamored by this. 448 total yards this week, 652 against Drake, 1,100 total offensive yards in two games. Um, so With Danny the defense Freund, playing great too. Yeah, yeah, and the I mean, defense is lights out as well. Yeah. So Danny Freund is uh, earning some big bucks up there. <laughs> we'll see what happens uh, this week when they head to Boise State to take on the Broncos of the Mountain West Conference. And we'll leave any more talk about the Mountain West Conference for uh, <laughs> an inevitable press release we feel is coming out in a few years. <laughs> uh, North Dakota Volleyball, they grabbed a couple wins over the weekend as well. They are now 3-6 and six on the season and heading to a tournament at Northern Iowa. UND soccer, like I said, 3-3-2, three, three and two, the exact same <laughs> record as NDSU soccer. When they play each other, something's going to have to give there. 
what, they're they're not going to have the same record anymore. But I, I, now they'll be shocked if it's not a draw. <laughs> <laughs> so now they host the next four consecutive games uh, before they or as they get to open league play. So uh, UND soccer uh, sitting at three, three and two on the year, getting ready for the start of Summit League action. And uh, checking in it with our other teams, like I mentioned, we had all four of our football teams at home for the first time. Uh, and the Dragons and the Cobbers, uh, MSUM and Concordia, both victorious in their home openers. Uh, Moorhead defeating Minot State 56-14 to in an NSIC battle. Concordia beating Pacific Lutheran 26-21. to uh, We were talking about UND's offensive firepower mm -hmm. and I did mean firepower as a pun for dragons um <laughs> they, did out. you like this uh, uh the fired up line I put in the script for you on Saturday I mentioned that their offense was fired up early the sad thing is dragons. I I don't even know if that clicked in my in my <laughs> brain because I was just like okay we're gonna because well because all the football going on right with exactly. all of our channels you know so we, we no six on Saturday so yeah, we were yeah. like oh okay so that ended up being the 10 o'clock so the schedule was kind of shifted which Ended up being okay because at that point the show was already together. So I was like, oh, okay. But <laughs> well, yeah, so, no, the dragons kind of starting to pour it on to Minot State early in that one, and then I, I enjoyed being there. I really enjoy uh, going to those D two D three games. Uh, dragons with four hundred forty six yards on offense in that one. So. Jack Strand, thirty for forty four, two hundred ninety nine yards, five touchdowns, and did not give up an interception. Throwing the ball over 40 times in a 56 to 14 win is very fun. And <laughs> and just to point out, Minot State had two quarterbacks play, three for six, 48 yards, five for eight, 42 yards. So they only threw the ball a total of how many times? I can't times. do math. 14 times. And That's they rushed much. the ball 54 times across a lot of different guys, but they only averaged 3.2 yards a carry on 52 attempts, 54 Jeez. attempts. So – not particularly great. They did have one 34-yard rush, was the longest rush of the day. Not a single other rush was further than 12. So Pretty ideal, then. MSUM playing about as clean and solid as a game as you can get. Um, receiving Carter Beer and Cott, 7 for 122 and two touchdowns. He had one of the more insane catches I've ever seen in the back of the end zone as well. I, I posted that on it, Twitter. It, so. was, it was a very clean, solid, good game for them. They could use a lot of it. And then... Uh, Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players on defense had a tackle for loss. Man. Nine. So suffocated, might not say, for that entire Three different game. players with sacks for a total of four. Yes, uh, Jack Bungarden finished with three and a half tackles for loss for 13 yards. Uh, Denver Sheets with a sack and a half and two and a half tackles for loss. So MSUM playing pretty great. We saw that last season, though. I was at the MSU in Minot State a year ago, and – it wasn't too different from right, this. So right. this isn't a particularly shocking result. But um, next up is McKendry, which is uh, actually the last and only only right? yeah. non-conference game, which yeah. is unusual. But uh, They jumped right into NSIC. They, they just get they moving. They don't want so, to dip their toe out. Uh, McKendry, I, I should be there next week. That's yeah, a noon yeah. game. And um, it should be a lot of fun. We still have good weather, fortunately. <laughs> for good now. For, good for me. Well, we'll but, see what happens on the 16th. But for now, we're uh, <laughs> for now. Hopefully we're it stays in this sort of nice, non-ridiculously cold time. So I'm, I'm able to bring the quarter zips back out. So, I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty good uh, pretty like, good indicator. Like of having my right arms now. bare for that's, these warm weather fair. days. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, uh, MSUM with a big win there. We'll see what they do against McKendry. The Cobbers with their 26-21 win there. 
if you'd have told somebody 10 years ago that there was a quarterback for the Concordia Coppers who was going to throw 32 times uh, for 250 yards and two touchdowns, I don't think they'd believe you. Just a traditionally running team. They started opening up that offense last season, and this is just the continuation of that. Cooper Mattern, uh, 25 completions for 250 yards and two touchdowns there. But they, didn't, uh, they of course, didn't abandon the, uh, the ground game. Uh, they still had the, uh, three players carry the ball. One of them was Cooper Mattern, who finished with negative three yards, but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Colin Conte with his uh, 47 yards on the ground and Xavier Carroll with his 23 yards. Again, the Cobbers moving to one and one on the season. They're going to be off this week, and then they hit the road on September 23rd. So uh, that does it for our college teams. Now we're going to start dipping our toes into the pros. The FM Redhawks. Uh, their season came to an unceremonious end in the opening round of the American Association playoffs. They fell in two games in their best of three series to the Sioux City Explorers. We only got one game here in Fargo, uh, so that was unfortunate. But, I mean, we knew that Sioux City's pitching was impressive. And yes, one of the best in the league. continued to stay impressive when it mattered the most. So, And that's despite some, I know in the at least the first game here in Fargo, uh, there was some incredible performances at bat, including John Silviano blasting mm-hmm. his first home run since returning back from uh, his leg injury. Um, so yeah, they the, the Red Hawks brought everybody back in. They did everything they could. It just, uh, they weren't able to overcome that Sioux City pitching staff. Yeah, this was um, a result that if you told me in April or May would have happened, I would have said, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. If you told me in June or July, I would say, wow, they made the playoffs. Right, yeah. And exactly. if you told me in August, I would have said, that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's, it's an up and down season. It's been all over the place. The middle of the season was very, very poor after a great start and an actually pretty solid finish too. But yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a tough game when you have 27 total ABs and you have 10 strikeouts and three walks and yeah. two hits. Yeah. You're not going to win a lot of games doing that. And interestingly enough for Sioux City, they got struck out eight times, but had five walks and ended up getting seven hits that resulted in two runs. And you know, there's not a lot of games where you only give up two runs and you lose, especially in the fourth and in the eighth. And it was just – they the Red Hawks just couldn't quite get it together. And in a lineup where, honestly, if you look at the lineup, you have Olinden, who had a good season, Dylan yep. Thomas, who had a monster season, yeah. Pena, who's ever dependable as always, of course, one of the two hits in this game. Silviano, Silviano who had come back. Yeah. Scott Schreiber, a ridiculously high point. Came on out of nowhere. <laughs> out of nowhere. Former, uh, I think, A-ball in the Houston Astros organization. Great, great player. Very, hopefully will be on the Red Hawks hopefully next he's back. year. Yeah. Manny Boscan, who had some up and down parts, but he also was injured some of the year, but still is a very solid player long time. Prime coming back, still a solid two-way guy. Sam Dexter, captain of the team, and actually had a very good August. He was a big part of that push. Then you had uh, Falsetti at catcher, which he was a replacement for B.J. Lopez. Right. He wasn't ready yep. for the series, but wasn't poor. He just sort of didn't do a ton. Which they, they activated B.J. Lopez, I believe. He just didn't uh, make his yes. way back into the lineup. And then there. lastly, Evan Alexander, which um, I don't know the full story behind this because I haven't talked to Coast about this in a minute, but it is very strange how he went from the leadoff man for basically a full year and a half, as yep. long as I've been here with yep. him, yep. slowly moving down. I mean, even a few weeks ago, he was fourth or fifth, and yep. then he was sixth, and then he's pinch hitting 
in this game and like ninth in the last game. I'm not sure what happened to him because his stats are still good. I don't know right. if his splits were dropping off, but it just is, seems odd to me. Well, if we're if we're judging by what's happened to this team in the past, he was probably dealing with some sort of uh, some sort of hurt situation yes. because it seemed like everybody on the roster was, and that's true for the bullpen. That's true for the lineup. We'll we'll see how Chris Coast reloads this team heading into the year. This is the first time since 2020 that they haven't made it to the championship series. And so they're they're kind of not used to this at this point. So they're they'll they're going to try to reload and get back to that. But Jack the Redhawks aren't done. No. We no. Got, and um I did, I did want to shout out before this though. Yeah, I do yeah. want to shout out the fans for showing up and being great during this series because even though it ended up, you know, not being the winning effort they wanted and and having a lead in that game one and coming out, it ended up being a final fan attendance of 1,296. Nice. And Sioux City's attendance for that clinching game two was only barely over 500. Wow. And so I'm um, not saying that to, you know, dunk on Sioux City, but more saying that to be like, even in a team with a losing effort and not being able to pull it out, it's pretty meaningful to have a fan base that's going to be there and support it. Right. Even in a more down season than what they've been used to, it, it's, right. it's, I'm sure it comes across – Oh, a lot I, to the, I, to the I'm players. sure the players appreciate that for yeah, sure. Yeah, so just just wanted to point that out because that was nice for for them to really come in we to love, a good way. We love the fans at Newman Outdoor Field. Um, and but yeah, no, uh, the Red Hawks not done yet. Next up, the Baseball Champions League in Mexico, a, a new uh, uh, tournament that they have starting up with three other uh, leagues internationally. One of them is in Cuba. The other one's in Mexico. I cannot remember where the third one is located. But uh, so it's champions from four different baseball leagues going head to head and it's the champions from the previous season. So the FM Redhawks are going to be representing the American Association in that. And yeah, they're going to be doing that at the end of September. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to stream that on our American <laughs> Association TV, but we'll try. We will do our best. And I actually, <laughs> I did find the teams on here. Okay. So it's, um, okay. and forgive me. So it's, <laughs> Uh, Leones de Yucatan, which That's was good. the champions of the LMB in 2022, which okay. was the Mexican Baseball League. Okay. Then there's, of course, the Red Hawks, American mm -hmm. Association champs last year. Alazanes de Granma, which is the Cuban National Series 2022 okay. champions. And Caimanes de Barranquilla, which nice. is the Colombian professional baseball. Oh, Colombia. That was the yes. other one. I cannot remember. I think remember. I did all right. Yeah, but, that was good. But we had... <laughs> we Let's had you saying more things in Spanish on this podcast. Let's go. Oh, I shouldn't. Oh, my, if it's anything, my dad is fluent in uh, oh, Spanish and Portuguese, that even though he is not either of those. So he's... <laughs> he, he, maybe he taught me something. But my no, they... Uh, <laughs> But um, but no, they're playing. They're playing in the city of Merida and the uh, Kukulkan Alamo Ballpark, which is that's you know, fun. It's something <laughs> something neat. Uh, it's going to be the uh, of course this is inaugural, but um, pretty cool. It's uh, Yucatan, Mexico, that kind of yep. area. Yep. So um, this will be really neat for the players. I'm certain they're yeah, thrilled they about it. Yeah, they get a trip to Mexico. I'd be um, thrilled about it. Dylan Thomas went and got. Maybe that's why he went and played in Mexico for a little bit. Maybe he was did. preparing for the uh, yeah. Champions League. And the tournament schedule, just because they also did give us that, so it'll have two games per day in a round-robin format. Participating teams will face each other, and the top two clubs will then advance on to the final. Third and fourth place will also square off to uh, determine third and fourth place as well. Gotcha. So uh, it'll be kind of fun. I'm so neat to have that it. coming up, especially in a time of year that's uh, quiet for baseball, at least around here, right. uh, which is September 28th to October 1st. So it's only over three days. It's a short tournament, but um, – It'll be fun to get that checked out. I'm certain the players appreciate getting uh, a few more sun rays in yeah. before we get to the actual cold months. <laughs> <laughs> well, John Silviano, especially, he lives in Fargo now, so uh, 
He's he's got to soak up as much sun as he can. Before Why would he move he to from, Fargo from as Florida. we are getting close to winter time? Well, like moving he, like I, April or May, well, well, not no, April he, May. <laughs> he moved. Uh, he moved last year after the season, mm. and uh, yeah, no, he uh, he he loves Fargo so much. He is he has become a local, and so. Uh, and then right. the, the, these last couple weeks and the next week with weather-wise, that, that's this little pocket in September, <laughs> worth, worth the rest nice. of the year. This it's wonderful. Nice. Uh, let's check in at the high school level now. Of course, football action, which you saw on Friday Night Live. You can check that out on our website, valleynewslive.com, in case you missed it. I don't know what else you were doing on Friday night that was more important than watching us. That's all I was doing on Friday night. I, you were in the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why. So you you definitely saw it. You had a firsthand uh, viewing experience for that. Uh, Shanley still undefeated on the year. Cheyenne also undefeated on the year. Shanley defeating Fargo South, and Cheyenne winning their playoff rematch against Bismarck Century. Bismarck Century, of course, the team that eliminated Cheyenne in the semifinals last year. Uh, the Mustangs get a little bit of revenge, and it was a uh, thriller for sure. Uh, the uh, Patriots were lining up for a field goal down 24 to 26 with the last seconds kicking off the clock and they just missed that field goal. Cheyenne hanging on for a 26 to 24 win. I imagine Century is going to be causing some problems out west though. So yes. uh, I, I imagine we'll be seeing Bismarck Century square up with another one of our Eastern teams with their well, season on the line. Well, the big test for that though, which is what uh, we will not be um, obviously at this game, but uh, I would assume that we'll get it sent to us from our friends yes. out west. Thank but you, Century Kmart. hosts undefeated Minot, which Minot is the only undefeated team left in the WDA. So. Wow. Could be one heck of a game because Century one and two. Obviously, I, I would doubt that their record is indicative of their play. But right, no. but my not three zero. So that's that's pretty big to have that game. And uh, Bismarck goes to Legacy and Mandan goes to Williston, um, which uh, Legacy and Williston both winless. So not a ton of super big games out west, but that one top one is like the big game. Right, so it's. That's going to be interesting to see if Minot can keep that big race up. Obviously, weren't particularly huge in the playoffs last year, but have had good teams. So, the I know we don't we don't really do a lot of that West. Stuff. It's <laughs> more just seeing like what West teams will play the East teams. Right, later and which year, ones we need to keep our eye on. Yeah, it looks like Minot might be that kind of team at least so far this year. It, that's what it's looking like. Um, and meanwhile, uh, out east here, our three A teams, two two games featuring four teams that have the same records going against each other. Uh, Fargo Davies and West Fargo, over uh, one and two overall in the year, and 0-1 and in EDC play going head-to-head. -head. Uh, with how few teams are in the East, there's only four teams in the East, that honestly might decide a playoff spot in week three. That's so good. so that's where we are, week four, I should say. So that's where they're at. Um, and then 3-0 and Shanley against 3-0 and Cheyenne as well at Fargo Shanley. So um, safe to assume. We're going to be getting highlights from both of those games on Friday Night Live. Uh, you have no uh, no worry about that at all. Um, let's head down to the Double A level. Fargo North saying undefeated on the year with a massive win over Wapaton. Um, yeah, th th there was a uh, uh, <laughs> the Wapaton cheerleaders held up a sign that the team ran through that said 480 BC, the last time the Spartans won a battle, and then they the Spartans proceeded to win this battle. Yes. Um, so good sign, though. <laughs> yeah, but really good sign. I, I it's really just unfortunate. It. I really appreciated it. Unfortunately, that yeah. led to a sixty-five to seven win for Fargo North. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, North at three and zero on the year. Grand Forks Red River still undefeated as well. They moved to uh, four and zero with their forty-eight to six win over Turtle Mountain. So those two teams starting the year. I think they're the last. 
undefeated double-A teams left, at least on the east side of things. Um, let me give a quick look at that because I can right now. Uh, Dickinson is also undefeated. So they're out west, though. So it's Dickinson, Fargo North, and Red River, the only undefeated double-A oh. teams left. Forgetting 3-0 Valley City. Oh, I, I, I oh, Who man, happens to play I? at Dickinson. Oh, that'll be fun. So, yeah, pretty oh, yeah. good game yeah. there. Nope, there's Valley City right there. So, yeah, yeah. no, four Dickinson teams. plays Valley City. So there's two different matchups of undefeated teams in two different levels of play. Yeah. We got a lot of fun stuff. Which which week. is funny because we're only three or four weeks. I mean, we're – it's weird because it's like there's a week zero. So it's right. sort of like where, where we're, are in, we? we're in the fifth week of football, but right. it's week four, and yes. some teams have had a bye week. So yes. it, it's tough to keep Three games, four games, five games. It's all over the place. Like Northern but, Galaxy um, are 3-0, Red River's 4-0. Yes, it's, but it's saying that the teams have – I mean, we barely have – gotten into the season really right. or yeah well i say that but we're almost halfway through but because <laughs> i know high school football moves so quickly here because the playoffs being longer and you know everyone yep. just wanting to get especially it over for the, the weather. <laughs> especially for the single a and nine man teams their playoffs are starting in just like a handful of weeks i think yeah so yeah, i think four, four weeks <laughs> so. and uh to shout out the nine man teams as well we have another undefeated against undefeated uh windmere lidgerwood 4-0 hosting 3-0 uh, in the conference of uh, 4-0 overall sergeant county that might be one we have to get out to. So uh, another Winemere Lidgerwood is constantly in the uh, conversations at the nine-man level, and Sergeant County, their first year at the nine-man level, already making noise there. So, uh, and then yeah, no. So the nine-man looking strong right now. And then lastly, before we get out of the high school football realm, our Class A teams, uh, Lisbon was undefeated uh, until they went to Castleton, and then Central Cass. Central Cast made a statement with yeah. a massive win over Lisbon. Lisbon uh, has a bye week this week, by the way. Uh, that's good timing. Central yeah, Cast defeating can. the Broncos 55 to nothing. A shutout win against a previously undefeated opponent. Central Cast, kind of the time of the year where they start to wake up. Um, Langdon area, Edmore Munich, looking at Region 2. They are also undefeated at 4-0 uh, on the season. They beat Rugby 48-14. to Cavalier got back to their winning ways, defeating Grafton 42-14. to and Who goes to Langdon and more Munich this week, Cavalier? Man, we got some fun matchups yeah. coming up this week. Good games. Uh, Lisbon back in – or uh, Lisbon. Kindred back in action this week. They're hosting Northern Cass, looking to move to 4-0 and on the year. Mm. Uh, Oaks and Hillsborough Central Valley is a fun game. Central Cass Mayport's a fun game. Uh, Thompson rugby is kind of fun. There's a lot of fun matchups this weekend. We're not going to be able to cover all of them. No, <laughs> but a lot. In fact, a lot of them we will not be able to but, be in person but dang ourselves. It, but, but dang it, we're going to try. Um, all right. So that's uh, where things stand as far as football goes. We're going to take a quick look at soccer. Of course, there is still only one unbeaten team left in the East, and that is Fargo Shanley. They defeated uh, Fargo Davies. Uh, early last week, and that was a battle of unbeatens. They beat Davies 3-1 to one there. But and then won against Fargo North and tied against Red River. But here's the most interesting part of that whole thing, is that over the weekend, Davies beat Grand Fork Central 6-1. to one, Right. And then South beat West Fargo one nothing, and Shanley drew against Red River. Because of Shanley's draw and Davies' win, Davies hops Shanley in the standings, <laughs> even though Shanley beat Davies directly and hasn't lost a game because now Davies has uh, one loss, five wins, and Shanley with four wins, no losses, two draws. They're one point behind in the standings. So after all that, Davies, Davies back on top, Davies 15 is to inevitable. 14. They, uh, they, they, 
they found a way to still be at the top of the standings despite suffering their first regular season loss in years. And they have, so. and I get it skewed because of the central game, but Davies has more goals for and fewer goals against than Shanley. Wow. Yeah. So, so it's funny that if you just look at, at the standings and didn't see specific teams, you would still sit there and say, oh, yeah, but Davies is better. Right, exactly. And uh, <laughs> South, though, so don't forget about South. They're only one point behind Shanley, 4-1-1, one, one, 13 points in the season. They've played spectacularly. Red River's been solid, too. Uh, the only teams that are really at the bottom is uh, North is 1-4, and four, and then Grand Fork Central is the only team in the league without a point so far. They're 0-6, uh, 3 goals, 4, and 20 goals allowed. Gotcha. So they're the only team that's uh, down there. And then out west, the top team, Jamestown, is 6-0-1. Oh, they have more points than anyone in the east. And then Legacy, 5-1-1, one, one, has more points than anyone in the east at 16. So... Pretty solid teams out there. Uh, Mandan and Williston, the bottom of it. Uh, Century, Minot, Bismarck, Dickinson rounding the rest out. So lots of solid play. But then West Fargo, defending state champions, 2-3-1 and one at seven points. Mm. So uh, a little bit of a fall-off so far for them. Of course, we'll see who gets well, they, out of the playoffs. Well, they, they went in on just an insane run in the playoffs last yes, year. Yes, to get to, there. To and get maybe there, so. that's South this year. Uh, yeah, you never exactly. know. Maybe you they're this kind of sneaky team that could get in and do we're, something. We're still early enough. We never know what's going to happen. But, Very yeah, true. that's kind of just a look at where things are soccer-wise. This week we're going to be watching that action. We'll see uh, which teams play each other. I know one of the ones that sticks off uh, the board of me right now is uh, Tuesday. So today, Cheyenne's uh, – Traveling to Shanley, West Fargo at Davies. Those are both very fun matchups. So we, uh, we'll probably get some action from those. We'll see. Um, moving over to volleyball real quickly before we continue to move on. Fargo North, the only unbeaten uh, team in the EDC. Uh, they defeated Devil's Lake and Wapiton this past week. Uh, all in sweeps. They actually haven't lost a set since August 26th. That is ridiculous. And that's one of only four <laughs> sets that they've lost. Oh, my goodness. So Fargo North Volleyball looking very strong as far as our Class A teams go. And then get, I'm just doing a quick glance over at Class Northern B. Northern Cass still class. very good. No spread. Northern Cass still <laughs> very good, yes. And so uh, they only have one loss as well, and that was at Mayport Ooh. CG in a five-set game. So uh, we, that's where we're going to be keeping our eye on. Uh, nor until Northern Cast proves us otherwise, that's where we're going to be watching our uh, for Class B volleyball. Killing so it. that's where things stand as far as high school stuff goes. Be sure to tune in all week to Valley News Live to track the action along with us with our highlights and scores. And then also on Friday, be sure to stay tuned for Friday Night Live. Now, before we get out of here, Jack, you had quite a special trip on Sunday going up to U.S. Bank Stadium. Now, this wasn't just a normal Viking game uh, that we like to go cover, get footage of. We like having <laughs> our own footage of the Vikings that we don't have to beg somebody for permission to use. Uh, of the footage I was able to get, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no comment on that one. But, uh, no, there was a special reason for coming down on that one. We had a former pro Bison making his mm -hmm. debut uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, I guess a current pro Bison. Yes, former yes, Bison, former bison <laughs> now current pro Bison. I get lost in my own uh, verbiage sometimes. Yeah, no, um, it was it was being uh, able to really cover Cody Bauk and able to uh, see him full out in his big, uh, well, wearing their white big uniforms with yeah. the big 6'9 and red yep, on the back yep. and him. Uh, the, the hair flowing out. Oh, of the I, got, I got a couple hair flip videos. It was <laughs> of fun. Course. Um, but no, just being able to see him and, and see how locked and loaded and ready he was. And then in the game where uh, – I mean, I, I didn't talk about it a ton in the uh, videos that I made, which you haven't seen those yet. Check them out on ValleyNewsLive.com. They're also on Facebook, Twitter. They've been posted. Oh, so 
I'm, I'm teaching you going. so well. Look at you go with the selfless plugs. So, I love it. Well, we, but but it, it was it was a lot of fun to do, and it was good to, good to get to talk to him and see it. And I didn't mention it in those. Um, you just wanted to say now, no false starts, no holding penalties. I don't think he gave up a sack. I mean, it was right. a very clean, good game. Which in your first ever NFL game, you want to see how many <laughs> false start penalties happen across yeah. the league, and yeah. how many times you see who did it, and it's the rookie. It happens a lot. Right. Yeah. No. And to see him be especially, very clean, especially in enemy territory. Oh yeah. Like so, in a loud unbelievably loud. Out. Oh my <laughs> goodness. I mean, and I and I'm not just saying this to you know dote on Vikings fans and and because I mean as someone that grew up in Atlanta I understand sports pain so yeah, yeah. I understand and especially this weekend I understand but it's but is here a fan base that loud that passionate the whole game even when it was relatively boring at times in the yeah. first half when nobody was doing much was punts back I mean even then it was still getting loud getting big and the atmosphere was there and to, to get to see that and uh even for Cody talking to him post game in the locker room, from for him to feel that and uh, know that kind of environment. I know we've seen some big environments in FCS, but in terms of road, I mean Fargo Dome gets loud, but like there's not a lot of road environments that get. No. I mean, and I know I'm talking about NFL, but I mean, I mean just of any scale, get really yeah. big and loud. Uh, DSU tends to be one of the higher ones of the of the setters of that bar. So it, it was neat to do that. It was neat to talk to. I also, I also had a. One-on-one -on -one interview with Jordan Addison in the locker room post game nice. and talked to him about yeah. his touchdown, which was really cool and a great experience. Uh, he's a great guy. Awesome talking to him. Yeah, former USC Trojan. Fight but, on. Um, but yeah, he was a great interview. It was a ton of fun talking to him. Uh, presser with with uh, Coach O'Connell and Kirk uh, was solid. Those guys were obviously disappointed by the result, and right. they have to turn around. And I mean, boom, playing Philadelphia on the road, which yeah. uh, is actually the first time since 1989 to 90 those two years where Minnesota played Philly on the road in back-to-back -back seasons, um, which ironically, both those games were also in September, huh. which is weird. Interesting. So very strange, <laughs> but but yeah, playing playing a team like that where Philly's obviously one of the most difficult teams to play in the NFC. We saw them have some trouble this weekend, but could be fun for the Vikings to do that. Then they got to come back and play the Chargers, and then two weeks after that, the Chiefs. I mean, it's they got a tough schedule. First place schedule in the NFL tends to land you some tough teams, yep, but um, – yep. But, uh, but, yeah, for Cody and the Buccaneers, they unfortunately also have that first-place schedule, despite <laughs> yeah. being a team that is they, not necessarily loaded for that. They but, won um, the South, but that still means that they won the division. <laughs> they, won, they won something. So um, it, it still was, it was fun to, to get to talk to them after the, after the game and get that interview in, and uh, we have it right here. So you yeah. guys can yeah. Yeah, let's listen. go ahead and play that. Jack's entire locker room interview mm -hmm. with for, former Bison, now pro Bison, yes. Cody Mauck. How did it feel, NFL? Did it kind of live up to your expectations, Game One? Yeah, it was it was awesome. You can't draw it up any better. Uh, how cool it is, you know, being from uh, this area, and then first regular season game is here, and then to get the win too. Yeah, pretty awesome day. Do you know how many people Hankinson had here today? Oh gosh, I bet. No, I don't. But I bet I wouldn't be surprised if there were a couple hundred just from Hankinson alone, not even counting the Fargo surrounding areas. So, a lot of love here today. Yeah, hey, I did. Yeah, yep. They came over to the hotel. Nice to talk to them, catch up with them a little bit, and uh, yeah, hopefully go see them right now too. How's the back? It's fine. Yeah, just been doing a lot of rehab and get, getting better and shoot, good to go. Yeah, this is the best spot to do it. I think uh, you come in, beat a really good team, and you do it with a lot of you know family watching and just kind of you know now we can kind of show what this team's going to be like this year. I think. Yeah. 
I'd say just just sticking with it. You know, we just kind of kept staying on each other. Hey, don't get down. You know, some stuff's not working. We're gonna find what works. We had a really really good two-minute drive. Just kind of built a lot of potential off uh, or uh, momentum off that two-minute drive at the end of the first half. That last drive to close up the game. Did that kind of feel like a, a bison drive to close things? Hey, out? It still felt like I was saying the exact same things. Hey guys, we're either gonna end with the ball or we're gonna end in the end zone. Exact same thing at the end of an NDSU game. Yeah. How is Tampa compared to Hankinson and Fargo? Uh, you know, right now, it's definitely, you know, it's pretty hot out there, a lot more people, but uh, check back with me in December, and I think I'll be a little bit happier where I'm at. <laughs> You're going to be the winner. Yeah, that's right, yeah. How do you think you held up your first yeah, I thought it was good. You know, obviously there's always more you can do, you know, critique the different techniques, but I thought, you know, I was, I was pleased with how it did. You, you can't be mad after a win no matter what happens. Just the last five months, can you put it into words, put it into perspective? No, I can't. I mean, just you're getting yanked every which way. You don't know what team you're going to go to, you know, when it's going to be. None of that really matters for this moment now where we ended up. So just, oh, my gosh, just a lot put into the last couple months. Cody, I know you were talking to your family. I had a coach, Moni Laws, told me that you uh, you sent him a Snapchat. How were you feeling going into this game? Were you pretty relaxed? Uh, I, I was relaxed but nervous, I think, if that makes sense. You know, I, I was ready to go, kind of locked in, but still, first NFL start, and, and you know it's going to be a loud, good atmosphere. And I was maybe a little bit nervous, but after the first play, the nerves go away. Did you get a chance to pick anybody out, that, you know, look up at Section 310, see all your jerseys and stuff? <laughs> I tried, but I, right when I got out there, and then I kind of forgot about it. So, off to, no, I never got a chance to. This morning, yeah, at about, I did a little workout, and it happened this morning, right before the game. Yeah, so we trained together uh, out in Irvine, California, before the draft. So he's a good buddy of mine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, you know, there's a couple Hankinson people over there, so I had to had to sniff them out and go go give them some love. How's Ryan Jensen been for you so far? He's kind of a mentor. The best. He's he's so you know he's so understanding about hey you're a rookie you know you got a lot of coaching points coming at you. And he's, you know, not trying to fight what the position coach is telling. He's just, he's so good with uh, putting things in a way that I would understand them. And he's just so, uh, like, persistent on me. You know, if, if something bad happens, Ryan's out, you know, he, he's going to help me fix it. And then it's okay. Yeah, it was, it was so much fun. Um, like I said, uh, I grew up three hours away from here, so there's a lot of family, a lot of people from my area here. Um, hope they had a good time, because I sure as heck had a good time on the field today. Just that we can put four good quarters together. You know, if something doesn't go right in the first or second or third, stay on it, stay on each other, and everything, you know, fourth quarter is where, where you make it happen, and, and those last couple drives we had, um, that's what you want to do. You want to end with the ball when you're winning, or you want to end the end zone and make it a two-possession game, so just really, yeah, excited for this team. Thanks to the Vikings and Buccaneers for just giving us some time, you know, uh, the station from Fargo invading the space just to talk to a single offensive lineman. Uh, every, everything was uh, accommodating, at least post-game. Yes, so. it, was, it was very funny walking in there, and um, which I did not expect, which, I mean, it kind of makes sense because they're showers, but how unbelievably hot it yeah. was in there. I yep. mean, it was like I was covered in sweat walking <laughs> out. And I was seeing the other guys that, I mean, there were some people from other stations, radio stations, other stuff. Yep. And yep. I was looking at them, walked out, and I'm like, 
were y'all this sweaty and hot too? And they were all just dripping. Just like, <laughs> like, okay, we gotta get out. And so it was, it was a very funny experience. And then, um, of course, like the Viking, which I mean, makes sense for an NFL stadium, but the difference in the visitors and home locker room was, oh, yeah. it was like almost funny how a night yep. and day it yep. was, which again, makes sense. But the Vikings one was just this beautiful piece of art. And so <laughs> you walk in, you're just like, oh my God, like all this stuff. So it was, um, it was a very neat experience. Very blessed to have the opportunity to do that, whether it's, you know, getting to cover a regular game at any time, whether it's covering something like this where there is a different angle. I mean, it's it's yeah. no matter what, it's it's really amazing to get to do this and to get to, you know, have days like that where, I mean, sure, you're working 14-hour day and it's 6 a.m., which for me, remember that we're <laughs> yeah. like 3 to 11 p.m. workers. Right. So it's, it's – Well, our, our last show gets off the air at 10.30. We're not going to be yeah. waking so up it's, at 9 too often. So it's, it's, very, it's very strange. And so um, but being able to do that is a lot of fun, and hopefully we'll have more experiences like that this season. I know the Vikings, again, as we talked about, have a very good schedule, at least oh, in yeah. terms of matchups and teams and a lot of great teams to play. But um, it's, it's neat to be able to do this uh, week one and get to talk to Cody and uh, – I know not great for Vikings fans, but it was very good for Cody and, uh, and his crew to get to see him get a win. And it was great seeing that big grin across his face for a, for a game like this and just to, <laughs> the big to, toothless grin. Yeah, and, and you get to see him again, too. I mean, yeah. Someone that obviously we don't really know a lot of these players very personally a lot, but just to, to be able to see guys that you covered uh, be able to make it up, whether it's high schools we cover into these big college players yep. or college players in the league. It's like, especially with that, about how few players really make the NFL and for a guy like him to not only get drafted but make it through trading to then get to be a starter and then play well as a starter well starting is only week one right starting as an offensive lineman when he walked onto the bison football team as a tight end from Hankinson North it's, Dakota, it's ridiculous it's a it's a heck of a journey and yeah. we've we've we saw him play college we were there at the combine as he was kind of the star of the show out there we were there when he got drafted yeah and then we were there for his professional debut so it's been a heck of a ride shout out to Cody Congrats. We hope the rest of the season is good for you. Hope your back's okay also. Yes, he, we actually we did ask him about that in the interview, and he uh, it was very funny because I was panicking in the in the press box pregame of, like, please be active, please right, be yeah, active, please, please play. play. And then they say he was active, and I was like, whew, we're good. <laughs> and then we talked to him. We're like, okay, is your back fine? Are you good? And he was like, oh, yeah, I'm totally fine. We're good. Uh, okay, <laughs> I'm like, okay. Cool. So it's one of those times where, you know, players inactive in practice is either of the, oh, my God, he's hurt, we have to put him out, or it's the – He's somewhat hurt, but we just kind of right. – we're going to let him rest a bit. But also shout out the NFL for scheduling him for the Vikings week one. <laughs> yes. Because that was really helpful. So <laughs> thank I'm you, sure NFL. And I'm sure that they took us into consideration <laughs> yes, when they, they made that schedule. <laughs> all right. Well, stay tuned for more all this week on Valley News Live. we got tons of content every week like we always do, and that's why we have this podcast so we can share even more of it with of you. You're welcome. But until next week, we will see you. This has been Valley News Live Sports Overtime. We will see you on TV.